Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Pure Hoops Podcast, Episode 13, the eve of the NBA playoffs. They are finally here, but first, Magic Johnson has stepped down from the Lakers. Much to dig into, never a shortage of drama. Time to check ball. Let's go. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops Podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Absolute chaos in Lakerland. Magic Johnson has stepped down from the front office. Just two short months ago, Jeannie Buss thought everything was going well in Los Angeles, as she shared with Mike Wise on the Mike Wise Show in February. When did you feel like this could really happen? Was there a, was there a fork in the road in that moment where, where okay, LeBron James could actually come here? When do you remember that, that moment? Um, well, you know, we'd been kind of humbled by some of the free agent activity, you know, in, in the last few years. And so as much as we like to, you know, think it was, you know, uh, you know, it was going to be easy. We knew it wasn't going to be easy, but really magic put us in a direction where it was clear to, to everybody where we were going, what we were doing, that we had a leader, that every decision magic and, and Rob Palenka, our general manager were making were, you know, complemented the decision before it. Like it, 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 we weren't all over the map. It was clear um, that we were united behind our our coach and the style of play that he wanted to play. He wants to play, and you know, put getting players that would fit that. Also, you know, get us in a position where we could. Um, you know, be able to sign a free agent should there be somebody that we were interested in or making trades so that we, you know, had a balanced roster. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, we, we set as a good a story. We set a stage as best we could. And then whatever was going to happen was going to happen. And, you know, I, I believe in magic and I believe in, you know, his conviction of what he wants the Lakers to be. And we're, we're watching, you know, people gravitate to that and want to be part of what we are building. And that was Lakers owner Jeannie Buss on the Mike Wise show just before NBA All-Star in February. And, of course, a lot has changed since then. I've got B.J. Armstrong with us from Los Angeles. I have Mike Wise himself with us from Washington, D.C. And before we throw it to Mike, uh, B.J., what has the reaction been in L.A. with this shocking news of Magic Johnson stepping down? Well, it's certainly been 
an exceptional, you know, the last two days or so of just news, bombarded with news about the announcement, stunning announcement, we should say, of uh, Irving Magic Johnson stepping down um, as president of the Los Angeles Lakers. So it has been a, you know, a very impactful uh, from the standpoint of that no one expected this. There was no anticipation. And suddenly he steps down uh, with no more warning. And uh, so it, it, it's been it's been something to watch, especially out here in Los Angeles, watching it, getting not only the national news, but the local news and the local vibe. And um, it, it's, it's been an incredible last you know two days or so. Mike, you've covered the game a long time. You've covered a lot of stories, broken a lot of stories, have had endless conversations with epic personas. What, what, what was your first reaction to this, being that you know, you've been around Magic, you've been around Genie, you know the family connection, bond, and lineage, which is the Bus family, Magic Johnson, and the Lakers. I mean, wh what are we missing here? with not just this happening, Mike, but how it happened. I, I, you know, I don't know if there's a, a bigger story than, and, you know, look, there was, there was reports and I haven't seen them yet. There was reports that uh, for a while, at least one major news organization, one that I, Bruce Bernstein, our producer, and I formerly worked for ESPN and another one that I know of that I don't want to go into that we're going to write damaging stories about the Lakers workplace culture and, and magic was going to figure into those, but that was that at this moment, that's rumor. Those stories either never made an editor's desk or never, or a legal counsel looked at them and thought, uh, you know what, just cause the guy's a hard ass boss doesn't necessarily make him a, uh, a workplace culture violator. So, so I don't, until I see those stories and I see some anecdotes that tell me, wow, magic, magic was, Magic wanted to get out of there before the kitchen was too hot. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna subscribe to that. I think it comes down to as easy as. And if Stephen A. Smith is that close to him, I don't. You know, I don't know. But when he says that he felt that uh, the that Urban Magic Johnson thought there was a betrayal on not Jeannie Buss's part, but a lot of people in the Lakers organization who kind of looked at him sideways, like, oh man, I don't know if we should be following him. I don't know. And if Magic felt that internally. I mean, it's almost like, you, you know, how can you lead? And he's probably thinking to himself, I am getting out of here before the kitchen gets too hot. If you, if you guys don't believe in me, go ahead. Go believe in someone else. And, well, look, I didn't think it was the best look. Um, I don't think that's – the timing was really weird. And I'm sure there was a little bit of, you know, woe is me. Go, go ahead, Lakers. See how, see how life without magic is now. And his, his timing was awful. I still – I mean, I, I'm a little blown away by the reaction, um, and not because I, I don't think it's a big deal. I just feel like, you know, people are acting like he left he left his platoon on Omaha Beach. Like, he freaking quit a job. It's not that big a deal. I have issue not with the what, but the how. And listen, he clearly not happy in the situation. Clearly the situation this season became a mess, whether it's the roster, whether it's LeBron James going down, whether it's the Anthony Davis Pelicans trade rumors and all of that. But 
to have meetings with LeBron, Rich Paul, and Clutch recently to be in front of Jeannie 24 hours ahead of time as reported and not say anything, and then to do it in front of the media, to me is just bizarre and, and the wrong way to handle it with all that history there. BJ, what, what are your thoughts knowing, you know, you've been part of professional organizations, you've been on championship teams, you know the business, but this situation, the way it was handled, does does this shock you as much as it shocks me? Well, if this was 15, 20 years ago, I would say yes. But in today's world and climate in which the media, social media, and how fast we're able to get news and to get it out in front, of course, you know, I, 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 I'm not shocked. And, and, I, and I'm not shocked, and I'm not going to get distracted on how quickly things become available to us by, you know, social media today. Um, you know, right. But but and listen, listen, we've had many discussions and, and you try to stay centered uh, on, on many things when it comes to opinion and passions and things like that. And I know Magic Johnson means a, a tongue to you from your, your basketball life. But this was going to get out regardless. Right. But I, I just don't understand not walking in a room and telling Jeannie, hey, I'm done. And instead he's doing it in front of cameras and that's how it comes out to the world that's that's what i'm getting at here that's what i have the problem with well look again i you know in the in the role i currently sit in the seat i currently sit i i get an opportunity to look at all 30 teams as an agent and represent and and i've spoken to the lakers front office many of time this year right and working with them through different things with players and and the things that you know you have to discuss with these organizations or these front office people about you know there are a lot of things that were coming out in the media um with the laker organization that you had to begin to you, you, you have you can't take the you can't just brush it off and say you know everything is a rumor um you know when things were coming out all year about the team you begin to realize that there's something going on, whether someone's doing it intentionally or unintentionally, there was something going on where things were getting, um, that were coming out of that camp for better or for worse. I mean, who am I to judge? And you begin to see that. You, you know, there, if you see, you don't see things coming out like that with certain organizations. But throughout the, the whole entire year, there were things that were coming out in particular um, Sources say, when I start hearing sources say, you know, it, it always makes me nervous today because of the era that we live in. We live in and we live now where with the push of a button, everything's out there, you know, right in the forefront. So I, I, sure. I, I, I'm not shocked. I'm, I'm I, I get it. You know, we, we do things now for, you know, the presence of Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all of these things. And that's a part of the culture we live in. So, you know, as most people want to say they're shocked, I'm not shocked by today because, you know, this is where we are at and it's going to continue. It's going to move forward. Uh, all of us here, uh, we've grew, we've seen the difference. But today's kids, this is what it is. And uh, it's going to continue this way as we move forward. Mike, the Lakers 
and the Knicks own the title of NBA team with the worst record the last six years, which is kind of crazy to think about. And one one of the real important things for the Laker organization has been carrying that lineage and tradition forward. Obviously, Dr. Jerry Buss building uh, an unbelievable organization and tradition, Genie taking over, Magic being involved. Has that run its course? Is it time now for the Lakers to really look in the mirror and put the best person for the job in there, not someone who's connected to the Lakers through lineage and, and, and past history? Well, I, I would say that for every organization. If you're falling back on somebody that just played for you, unless they have a stellar record uh, in, that, in that particular profession, there's no reason why you would pass over some young up-and-coming person that, you know, and, for, and, and I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, that not – they call them propeller heads, but, but the people in this game now who get jobs as GMs often like to calibrate the game more than they do actually disseminate it and, and celebrate it and actually do with the things that, that the people that grew the game did. And so, so my thing is I wouldn't jump to hire somebody like that, but I'd also – you know, I, I like this is the one thing, and I and I want to ask BJ this: as a as a player agent, when they people say, "Ah, uh, who wants to come in there?" and does that does that influence you at all with your clients? Like for somebody that wants to come back, somebody that wants to sign with the Lakers, do you look at the chaos of that organization right now and say, "I don't want my guy there," or do you think, or do you say to yourself, BJ, it's still the Lakers, and and it's still playing with LeBron James. And if LeBron James has anything next year, he's probably going to have a chip on his shoulder the way things ended, and it's going to be that much better for my client. What, what is your, what do you think the feeling of most agents is out there? Well, I, I can't speak for most, but I, I, I can, can tell you how I look at it. You know, every client, I look at a situation, I go, wherever there's chaos, there's opportunity. If you go to a team that's already winning, if you go to a team that's already a champion, What's the, what's the best thing we could do? Let's say we're going to Golden State. What is the best scenario for us? We'll go there on a minimum to contribute in some capacity to get possibly a championship. But if you go to a team where there's, there's no expectations, there are no expectations, and that team over-delivers than what you anticipated or what we all thought, us, us so-called experts, now that's a real opportunity. So the opportunities lie where there's chaos. And the great players, the great players in this league, they function better when there is chaos. Okay, that's, that's a known fact as a professional in whatever sport. Okay, wherever there's chaos, you, it, it, wherever there are, you know, the, 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 the first player in the draft is not going to a great team. He's going to a team that warrants him being drafted number one or number two or drafted in the lottery. Those players need the most help. So if you can't function in that environment, then chaos is a very revealing, it's a very revealing thing. It reveals and separates the men from the boys when you're functioning in the chaos. So for me, I'm always looking for the chaos because if I can get a good player and turn that around, 
suddenly he is a great player <laughs> because of that very thing. So I don't know how most look at it. I think it's easier to say you want to just go to a good team to bypass the, the process. But in my case, or as an agent, that's what makes a good player. They, you go to a team, no one, you know, you look at this kid, Giannis, like, I don't think anyone would have said they would have the best record, in, you know, in the league at the beginning of the season, right? I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see the majority of the critics saying that. And now you look at him, and Giannis deserves a lot of that credit. And I'm willing to bet if Giannis wasn't on that team, they certainly wouldn't have whatever they have, what fifty or sixty, whatever win, however many Six, wins they had, sixty, sixty wins. But 60 you know, we, wins we've talked about without him. Just so, to, just to jump in here, BJ, you know, we, we've and this is the the organizational culture conversation we've had a number of times. And obviously you've lived it firsthand. Mike's covered it on many occasions. So, you know, moving forward here, Luke Walton still has his job. Rob Palinka is still in the front office. LeBron James is still under contract. So how do they write this ship and immediately try to turn the page and take advantage of the fact that they've got, you know, at least a three-year window here with LeBron James and plenty of salary cap room with a very, very deep list of talented free agents come this summer. How does this thing move forward? Well, one, when you asked uh, BJ, when BJ so eloquently described functioning in the chaos and doing well, it reminded me of your life, Eric. Um, you really I was actually going to say Mike Wise thrives in chaos. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but but uh, but uh, but to that but to your point, I mean, I'm not saying make LeBron GM or anything, even though you could make an argument he might have been for a while in Cleveland uh, uh, unknowingly. I guess what I would get at is, I mean, I still shoot. I, I, I just don't buy the argument. And I don't cover the league like I used to. I don't make the calls like I used to. I obviously have special relationships, and I try to plug into those when I need them. But, but I, you know, I've been trying to get Jeannie the past couple of days. I can't get a hold of her because she's, you know, gone insular and bunkered down. I just don't buy the argument of all the, a lot of the people that cover the game regularly that this is suddenly a really bad job for a GM. Yeah, it's a bad job if, if, you, if you work in Houston or, or, or Oklahoma City and you have – you, you have a guaranteed contract and you know what your squad's going to be for the next, but it's not a bad job for a lot of people. I would, I would, I would argue that, that, that LeBron James has got two or three unbelievable years left. And there would be a lot of people out there who would want to try to put people around him to, to get the Lakers back to championship level um, before, before his career, uh, before, before he retires. So, so I don't think it's as bad as job. I don't know if it's a quick fix, um, but and you know I do think that there has to be there has to be one voice, there has to be a, a genie bus, and then she has to hire somebody. Um, you know I don't know Rob Palinka's reputation yet for, uh, you know obviously he was a he was a very successful agent that represented Kobe. I don't know his reputation yet for actually building a roster, and I don't think he's had a long enough time to show it. But but to me this is it's not a quick fix, but I still think that there's. There, you know, between the Lakers, what they're going to pay, and between what the promises of that franchise, what it could be, I think, like BJ said, you're, the, it's like following a really bad singer in karaoke. You might not be able to sing, but once you get up there, all of a sudden, the guy before you sucks. You know, you're not sounding too bad. 
I think that whoever takes his job is going to finish with more wins than they did this year right off the bat and possibly get him into the playoffs. And, you know, within two years, who knows? They're, you know, KD somewhere else. Um, it, all To me, once, once Kevin Durant makes that decision, the landscape changes significantly, and you're right back in the race again. Well, yeah, and the the dominoes are, are of free agency are lining themselves up to start with Durant, and then many will fall after that, including uh, his teammate Clay Thompson, who um, needs to get paid. And and obviously, we envision Clay being a lifetime warrior, but that's that's far from a guarantee. Um, you know, for entertainment purposes, the uh, the B.J. Armstrong Eric Newman Pure Hoops podcast combo. Uh, in a front office could be could be very rewarding for many people, <laughs> but but you know BJ, knowing what you know about this league, knowing what you know about LA, the Lakers, and obviously what's on that roster, what that cap looks like, not who specifically as in a name, but the type of leader that is needed here? Is it a young, hungry guy who's evolving into the next star GM? Or is it someone with a long proven track record who's going to be pragmatic and and build this thing step by step? Where do you think they go here for the type of leadership? Well, you know, these are great questions. And, you know, for better or for worse, you know, I, I, I worked you know, working in the league kind of gives you a different perspective. Playing in the league and now doing this, you know, it, it's very easy to always look for the hero, right? We're going to look for the, the genius GM and the, the, the genius coach. But when you check your ego at the door, as so many executives ask the players to do, so many coaches ask the players to do, okay, let's all check our egos at the door. As an agent, let me check my ego at the door. I'm a great agent when I represent great players. I'm a great coach when I coach great players. I'm a great executive when I have a, a great player. Because every team in the league, the way it's presently constructed, is a great player away from being a great team. So in my humble opinion, my humble opinion, we that are uh, – as the executives and agents in this league, the way the salary cap and the way the collective bargaining agreement is constructed, we're building teams, okay? We're building teams around this one philosophy. We're looking for the hero. Every team in the league is one player away. So you're one player away from being a great team and you're an injury away from being a bad team. Now, there are there is an exception in this league that's called the Golden State Warriors. Maybe that's why they are the best team in the league because they're the only team in the league that could probably lose a player and still win a championship or compete at a very high level. Every other team, well, I'll say the Boston Celtics. That's why I like Boston in the East, but that's a later conversation. But with the exception of those two teams, everyone else, no. yeah, but every my, other team, my, my, but 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 but, but yeah, Mike, I know. But Mike, but think Mike, about he's this. been giving me Mike. He's been giving me false hope for weeks. It doesn't I know, but, matter. But, I'm, I'm, but when you look at the Lakers, you know the, the Lakers were in like fourth place or somewhere around that before LeBron gets hurt. Yep, twenty-one and thirteen Harton, Christmas Day. Yeah, if James Harden misses a significant amount in the playoffs, they're done. If Milwaukee, they're done. 
you know, you take Joel Embiid or, you know, whoever you think is the best player, they're Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, they're done. You take Kawhi Leonard yeah. out, Kawhi Leonard, they're done. So the way we're constructing these teams, we're all building around or we're looking for the same thing, a star player, a hero. I think it's time for us, the executives in, these le- in this league, to start building the teams around professionals so that if, they're, if, they're, if you are a champion, if you are a team, you have to be able to compete whether that star player is there or not. Because the only solution that we've had thus far has been we're trying to all get into the lottery to get a great player. And they call it tanking. That's been the solution. Yep. That's been the yep. solution. And- so when you look at the problems that you're seeing or that I see in this league, it all comes down from the same thing. We're looking for the hero. Just come save us. Now, the true problem, if you look at this league in the modern era, since like 1980, there's never been a team that has won a championship that hasn't drafted at least one player in the draft. Okay? So now when I look at the Lakers, okay? Mm, I might might put one out for you, but go on. How are you going to win? How are you going to win without going through the draft? Because the draft is the only way that you can retain and build a team. That's the only way. You can't do it through free agency. You can't just build a team through free agency and then expect to be able to compete. It just doesn't work that way. So the, 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 the collective bargain agreement rewards people who draft well. That's why the Warriors are so far ahead of everyone else. Because they drafted well. They drafted Steph. They drafted Clay. They drafted Draymond Green. And then if you get a free agent out of nowhere, holy crap. <laughs> you, you get Kevin Durant. Now you're that much further ahead. So when you look at the Chicago Bulls, which I played on, you draft Michael Jordan. You draft Scottie Pippen. You draft Horace Grant. You draft B.J. Armstrong. And then you add in, you know, a Bill Cartwright through a trade or, you know, you get pieces and then suddenly you get a Cliff Livingston or whomever, you can build a team. But when you look from 1980, it's always players that you got to have at least one player. And it's so hard and so difficult to do it. You can try to bypass it. You can try to bypass the process, but it's almost it's virtually impossible, in my opinion, to do it any other way than to do it through the draft. Yeah, and to the Lakers' credit, Kuzma, Ball, Ingram, they've at least tried. And we all know what happened this season with those names being involved in the Anthony Davis rumor. We don't know who started those rumors, um, whether it was sources, whether the Pelicans planted them to get back at the Lakers for what they felt was tampering with Davis, whatever it is. So, Mike, um, to, to close this out with you, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do the Lakers continue to try to build this team with these young players around LeBron and add the right pieces through signing guys? Or are they looking to shop these guys and and make a huge splash with, with a blockbuster deal and free agency on top? What do you think? No, I'm asking you if they're going to be able to get something of value in return for Kuzma Ingram Ball in in a in a monster trade, giving up more future assets, or are they going to build with these guys with LeBron? Because we saw glimpses of it, but not not a big enough sample size to make a decision. 
Yeah, I, it's a million dollar question. I don't, I can't give you the, uh, this is what I would do. Um, I, I think if, if I could get value for them and I could get to, I don't know, a Bradley Beal or somebody that, that makes sense that you could pair with LeBron and say, uh, God, this is a guy who every time he's triple teamed, he can kick out to this guy and he's going to either create his own shot or, or make that, you know, make that jumper like BJ Armstrong did. Like I, I don't see, I don't see that move. Um, but if you, if you get a guy that, that, that you really think is going to be the second banana to LeBron James, the next three, and I say he's got two to three years of his career where he can really be on top of his game. And I mean, shoot, I can't believe the streak came to an end or it's going to come to an end. He's, you know, he's going to be, he's not going to be first team all NBA for the first time in 11 seasons because of how things ended there. Um, but, and I think that he's going to come back with a chip on his shoulder and hopefully he's not going to worry about the shop or, uh, or anything he's working on with ESPN or anything. He just, he's going to, he's, he's going to come, he's going to go back to uh, building his legacy and finishing it as a basketball player and obviously continuing what he did charitably. Um, so, so that's, that's what I would do. I wouldn't do it if, unless I got strict value. And I, I still think it's going to be predicated, Eric, BJ, on who they bring in, who they bring in and where, where his mindset is. And, and, you know, and, you know, the Lakers just settling their front office down. Can I just add one more thing about magic? Absolutely. So, you know, and maybe I'm like biased because, you know, I took him, you know, I met him when I was 15 and, and uh, when he walked outside the international marketplace in Waikiki and I, I became his pedicab driver for a week and, you know, he promised me shoes that, by the way, he still owes me a pair of Thrilla Converse for when I was 15. He was, he was 19 and he was, it was his last training camp. He was his last um, vacation before going to his first Lakers training camp. And I told, you know, years later, I, I always show him this Honolulu Star Bulletin article and he laughs and looks at me and goes, you had hair then. But, but I guess, you know, I, he did a lot for my life at a time when I needed it. But more, if I threw all that aside, it bothers me somewhat that – not that people are trashing him. I mean, they could say what they want. This is the decision, too, or whatever. That it was a bad PR move. That's fine. I, I, I will, I'll agree with that. But to say, like, Magic Johnson going back to Magic Johnson is just, you know, hang, you know tweeting players, uh, hanging out with Dwayne Wade, uh, going out to – you know, so he doesn't get caught for tampering. That's not being Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson uh, – Irvin Magic Johnson opened free AIDS clinics in San Francisco – he, he opened Starbucks in neighborhoods in this country, African-American neighborhoods, where nobody would touch it. And he, and he turned that into business, and it wasn't just profitable for him. It, made, it, it helped the community. And so, so Magic Johnson has given back in so many ways. Going back to being Magic Johnson is being one of the most charitable souls in this country and has less to do with him about being an ambassador to the game with just spending time with people that he influences that have nothing to do with basketball. So, so anyway, it just bothered me that everybody took off on him like, like he just wanted to go la la and you know show up on an Arsenio Hall show, that even though Arsenio don't have a show anymore. I mean, it just made it, it made it sound like he was just you know, and and I think he genuinely was hurt that things didn't work out for him in L.A. with the Lakers. Appreciate that, Mike. All right, it's great. Uh, it was it was it was uh, it no, it was it was great having this three man weave today. And, and now you uh, think you know when BJ when BJ and I land in the front office, we'll uh, we'll let you know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys are the best, man. Thanks, Mike. All right.
Great having you on. Mike Wise, the host of, of course, the Mike Wise Show on Pure Hoops Media. BJ, it's like ever since we had the conversation of so much continues to happen on the periphery of the basketball court, outside the court, and it's endless, and we've lost focus of what's on the court. And, of course, this week, as you know, I've been so geared up waiting for the playoffs to happen and get out of this kind of – the regular season's been exciting, but take the next step, and and we can't escape – just this endless off-court drama. It, it follows uh, everywhere, and obviously this was uh, surprising, shocking, um, however you want to term it, but um, lots, to, uh, lots to figure out in, in L.A., but it's, uh, it's time for us to, uh, to talk playoffs, buddy. So how are you, uh, how are you feeling uh, looking at some of these matchups, and, and what's the first thing that comes to mind for you as we enter the 2019 NBA playoffs? Well, you know, I, I think the, the, the first thing is the Milwaukee Bucks, I thought, were terrific this year and had a, re- and had a great regular season. I mean, because it was just – I didn't anticipate. I don't know, maybe, maybe you had them picked. I didn't have them picked as a team that I thought could have the best record in the Eastern Conference at the beginning of the season. You, you, you know who I picked, so yeah. <laughs> I, I was – I clearly – this kid, Giannis, and his impact on winning and the potential he has to get better to me, I, I'm just intrigued with him um, from what I see from afar because of, the, of what he could be in this league. I mean, this kid – is making an impact, and he's doing it without a consistent jump shot. He's doing yep. so many things that impacts the game, his toughness. Um, he can he demands a double team. He's a good passer. He plays in transition. He plays in half court. He defends. He gives you second effort. He does so many things. And then you look at his game and you go, God, he's got so much more room for improvement. That yeah, that's that's what's that's what's scary. That, and, I mean, and and, and you know. And, I mean, he's, you know, this kid is just, I, I just find him, I'm just finding him intriguing. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to see him and what he's able to do in the playoffs, right? I think they, they start off with the Detroit Pistons. So I'm really yep. looking for, I'm really looking forward to him. And then, you know, Oklahoma, I think they play Houston, right? Is it Oklahoma-Houston? Oklahoma the, is playing uh Portland. Oh, so we had a shift so we had a shift there. So before we, we jump okay. out before we jump out west and jump around to all of these, um Milwaukee is beyond impressive. They are clearly um obviously they finished with the best record in the league. They've got home court throughout. Uh, they've got Detroit in round 1, which you know, is going to be uh, interesting from the perspective of Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, big athletic bodies trying to match up with Giannis and keep him out of the paint. But we, we both very well know that Milwaukee is a very well-rounded, deep team that is, is, is very aligned on both ends of the court. And, and while Giannis has been outstanding with numbers and uh, we're seeing the talent uh, evolve in front of our eyes, his intensity and strength that he plays with has now become contagious. And the Bucks are, are wearing that every day. So 
Milwaukee will make quick work of Detroit. You know, maybe Detroit gets gets one game um, back in Detroit, but that's over in four or five. It's very interesting, some of these other series and the matchups that happen, because as we all know, teams get banged up. You mentioned the Celtics before being one of those teams who will uh, be able to function if one of their guys goes down. And of course, last season being 24 minutes from the finals without Kyrie or Gordon Hayward. Now they start the playoffs without Marcus Smart. And uh, I'm not... uh, I'm not kidding. Like I, I, I was looking for for a tissue box the other night, because <laughs> after after the season that it's been, and and getting through all these headaches and all these these stories that come out about Kyrie and people ripping on Gordon Hayward, they're finally at the cusp of getting to the playoffs, and their heart and soul, the guy that defines their toughness and tenacity and teamwork. He has a, a, a torn oblique. He's going to be out definitely through the first round and likely the second. And the way the, the bracket lined up, if the Celtics move past Indiana, which I think they will, they'd be getting the Bucks. And the only way they could beat the Bucks is being at full strength. And Marcus Smart being down is, um, is, is, is really damaging to the Celtics following through with what you thought they were going to do in the playoffs, and that, and that was going deep. Am I overreacting? I'm not sure. Well, Eric, I I think you are overreacting. I I think when you build a team, and I think I alluded to earlier, I think the Celtics were built not around just one player. This was clearly a team, and they exemplified that last year when they had not only one player, they had two players that were out, and they still made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And when you're building a team, and and I think Danny understands this you know I think there there are some executives who understand this you can't build a team around one person you have to build it around a group because injuries are part of the game and Eric every athlete knows that I I think every executive understands that at least I hope they do and you have to go out and you have to build that's what that's why they call it a team you know if you you know I I remember my years playing and, and the year Jordan retired, okay, we won like 53, 54 games with him. We won a championship there, I think, in 93. And then 94, we actually had a better regular season record, and that was clearly the best player in the league. Okay, you yeah. have to build a team. Uh, you have to build a team where the team can actually go out and compete. Now, the great player obviously pushes you over the top, but you have to be able to do it. So this will be – you know, give Danny Ainge and these people credit. They were prepared for this. They're prepared for this moment. And you don't you like to you you like to be healthy. You you don't want to miss a market smart, but you know what? Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and all of these players, Gordon Hayward, it's time to step up. And you know what? If you got Marcus Smart going down and Gordon Hayward sitting in the wings, I can't <laughs> I mean Tell me, uh, who's I feeling sorry for your who's who's feeling I, I sorry know. for the Celtics right now? <laughs> I, mean. I know, but but the it and I, I I wrote this to to Bruce yesterday. You, you can't win the street fight without your best street fighter, and we know well, that, that, what that, these that playoff games. We know what we know what these playoff games turn into, and hopefully, I am overreacting well, 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 as here's, usual. Here's the thing: they, they have the talent. Up. 
Eric, it is. Eric, and, and it's time for Gordo, these young players. It's Gordo's time. It's and ta- it's Gordo's it's, time. It's, it's time for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to step up. Let's, let's just, the, it, 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 you know, it's time. Now, either they're going to do it or not, and we're going to find out because the playoffs, they're going to expose all the weaknesses that you have. And it's time for those young guys and those young players, and they're very capable. And they, they did an excellent job last year. And uh, it's time, though. And now they have an opportunity. In the East, you know, Milwaukee should not have a problem here. Toronto has a, a matchup with an intriguing Orlando team, but the Toronto talent is just so superior. I, I see that series ending early, and, and we're going to be doing some uh, quick hitter previews that are going to come out tomorrow uh, for Pure Hoops Media that are going to go through um, you know, e- each of these matchups with a prediction. But the other matchup in the East, before we quickly jump out west, that's really intriguing, and you talk about injuries and teams not affording to lose star players who don't have that depth of talent the philadelphia 76ers wrapped up the three seed they are starting the playoffs against a hungry dangerous brooklyn nets team and they don't know if joel Embiid is going to start the series is philadelphia in some trouble in this series well you know, when you're playing in the playoffs, it's a new season. And when I look at their when I look at Philadelphia's roster, right? And they have you know what, three All-Stars and, and Tobias is not an All-Star, but he's he's right there, right? I mean, you know, I don't think anyone yep. would argue that he's not an oh, All-Star they are, they, player. They are um, top they, Listen, they are they're top heavy. You when right. you roll out Embiid, Simmons, Tobias, Jimmy Butler, and J.J. Redick, it's, it's very formidable. But all of a sudden, when you lose Embiid and you have a limited bench and you don't have the greatest two-way wing versatility on the roster, a team like Brooklyn, who can shoot it, plays at a very high pace, on the other hand, they have a lot of depth. I just see this as an intriguing matchup, and I know it's a new season, but I think Brooklyn is is so uh, so loose right now with a we have nothing to lose mentality. I, I I just see this being potentially dangerous for Philadelphia if Embiid isn't right. Well, Embiid is a, is a difference maker because of what he does, what he does, and the problems that he will will pose as the game slows down. I mean, Embiid is just a problem. He's a I mean, he's a big he demands a double team. He's going to demand the attention of the defense. And if guys are making shots, you know, it's going to be very hard. Now, they have very capable players. I mean, Jimmy Butler uh, is battle-tested Tobias, Tobias Harris. Ben Simmons is an exceptional talent because of his size and the ability to make plays. So um, I still e- expect them to win the series just because defensively those, gar- those guys are, will be tougher to guard than the, the best players on Brooklyn, but give Brooklyn credit. They play. They play a style. When they're making shots, they're tough to beat. They have good guard play. Um, and when you have good guard play, you know, you're always going to be in the ball game. but it's going to be very hard. I mean, they got to shoot, you know, exceptionally well for, for, you know, to win four games, four out of seven, and I think that's going to be tough for them. But I anticipate them to play hard, play well, and, and, you know, at some point I think 
Philadelphia's talent will overtake them. All right, out west, the matchups were not decided until the wee hours of Wednesday night. And I'm a little surprised how it turned out as the Houston Rockets fall to number four. And we've got ourselves a beauty in the West. The Rockets and the Jazz battling in the first round. Uh, the electricity, the, the electric offense, excuse me, of Houston, of course, led by Harden and CP3, uh, along with Eric Gordon, who's played very well, and Clint Capella in the middle, taking on a surging Utah Jazz team that their identity is togetherness, teamwork, great team defense. Donovan Mitchell back to where he was last season after a, uh, a slower start than expected. And, of course, Rudy Gobert uh, leading uh, one of the best defenses in basketball. H- how do you see this series going, uh, Rockets-Jazz? Well, I think it was last week Eric, when, we, when we talked about the playoffs. You know, I, I, I thought – I said, if the Warriors are not going to win it this year, it's going to be there, you know, they could potentially lose in the second round. I don't think they lose in the first round. And if they get to the conference finals, they're too close, and then they'll just go through it. This second round matchup, um, there's a very two formidable opponents. I don't know if the Rockets, you know, I think the Rockets felt or feel that you know, or felt I think they feel that if they wanted to see the the Warriors in the conference finals. I don't know if they really wanted to see them in the second round. Sure. Um but Utah on the other hand, I think they are a team because they have rim protection and rim protection is a very key component to winning a series. And Rudy Gobert and you know, Derek Favors and you know, they, they have a tough group of individuals and that's a tough place to play. I think they're going to pose some problems, but um, I think there's going to be a great series. I, you know, I'm I'm going to choose the Rockets just because of the way they play. Um, I I think their style can be overwhelming. Um, I think they'll you know they'll have home court, and I think yep. they will win out at home. But would it surprise me if Utah won? No, because Utah and Rudy Gobert in particular is a, a player that in the playoffs, he can change the game. And that game is going to slow down in the fourth quarter. And Rudy Gobert, if he's not in foul trouble and he, he doesn't have to compromise, uh, meaning switch and do all of the things that, you know, I'm sure Coach D'Antoni and his staff will devise some offensive things to, to counter that. Um, I just think the Utah Jazz are a very capable team. And, and, and they give me concern because Rudy Gobert will have an impact on the game. The chess match here between Mike D'Antoni and Quinn Snyder is going to be really, really interesting with how they try to limit Harden. I was doing some research earlier today. Harden, you know, his standard 33 points per game against Utah this season in four games. Um, they would they, uh, he was he went to the free throw line uh, ten times a game, only made three threes a game, and we talked about that Harden. Uh, that defensive formula where you want to limit him at the line and you want to limit him with his um, isolation looks for three and obviously threes in transition. And I'm going to find this fascinating in terms of what Utah is willing to live with and what they're trying to take away. 
And the other thing that I like about Utah is I don't think there's a guy on the Houston Rockets that is going to be able to consistently stay in front of Donovan Mitchell. So while Ricky Rubio has has proven that he's a, a solid point guard in this league and doesn't back down from big moments, I think Donovan's going to have a real opportunity here not to just score but to be a playmaker and create open shot opportunities for their role guys who can knock down the three, whether it's Joel Ingles, Jay Crowder, uh, Kyle Korver, who's now in Utah. Uh, There's a lot of moving parts here that interest me. So I I think this is going the distance, and I have not yet made up my mind who I'm going to uh, take. So you're going to have to listen to me all over again tomorrow when I I send you that new stuff, buddy. So look out for that. The series we were looking forward to, which we thought we were going to have a shot at a Denver-Oklahoma City first-round matchup, may actually present itself now in the second round because Oklahoma City goes to six and Portland goes up from four to three. So we've got the Blazers with C.J. McCollum supposedly on the way back from his strained knee. Of course, without Yusef Nurkic, who's out for the season, their starting center, uh, facing a Oklahoma City Thunder team that uh, seems to have righted the ship. And, of course, Russell Westbrook playing like a man possessed and Paul George at an all-NBA level, um, putting you on the spot here. Uh, did the Thunder pull the upset, or did the Blazers uh, make it out of the first round? I, li- I like the Thunder in this matchup. Um, Agree. I-, I like the Thunder in this matchup. And, you know, nothing – against Portland. I, I like Portland's talent. I mean, look, Damian Lillard is a terrific all-NBA player. You know, C.J. McCullough, you know, he hasn't had – he, he can't get the reps because of the injury. And coming back in the playoffs and throwing – I think that's going to be very difficult. Um, I think Paul George's size poses a lot of problems for them. And, uh, you know, Steven Adams and, and what those guys are bringing. So, I like the Thunder in this matchup. I think they, uh, you know, even though they are a six seed, um, I still think they are a team that feels, and the way that team is constructed, that they can beat anyone in the playoffs. Certainly, you know, with their leaders, they're not lacking confidence, and um, I expect them to win this series. The Oklahoma City defense is is very formidable. Westbrook, George, Terrence Ferguson, Jeremy Grant, all athletic long, switchable bodies on the perimeter with Adams patrolling the paint. And while Portland has added depth and guys like Seth Curry, uh, Rodney Hood has found a new home with some quality minutes there. Um, Aminu, Harkless, I, I just, Portland can only play five guys at once. Yes, they have Enos Cantor filling in in the middle, who, of course, is a former Thunder player, and, and he's going to be excited to be in the playoffs after getting out of New York. But I, I just I don't see how Portland is able to uh, stop the, the Thunder, led by, led by Russ and, and Paul George, and for some of those other reasons we mentioned. So I think that's going to be a really uh, entertaining series. And that, of course, sets up a Oklahoma City Thunder Denver Nuggets second round matchup, assuming the Nuggets can uh, get past the Spurs, which I think they'll do. And I think the Nuggets, I think they got lucky. I think they got a team that has less talent than they do, 
that plays as a unit like they do and has less depth. And, and I think it, it really is uh, going to work to the advantage of, of Denver in the first round. And I think they'll make quick work of the Spurs. You? Well, I'm not going to underestimate the Spurs because the Spurs will be prepared. I think they have sure. experience. I think they have experience, right? They have two players that have experience. Um, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge is going to, you know, he's a I mean, he's capable of getting 40, 50 points in a game, okay? And he's going to get enough touches. And then drawing up an offense and getting a good shot, it's not going to be the Spurs' problem. We know they're well coached. We know they will have a sound philosophy on how to win, and they will give themselves an opportunity to win games, not only on the road, but at home. They're, they're, they're going to be tough. So I think, this, I think the Nuggets, this is their first go around. I think they will feel that pressure. I look for Coach Popovich to really put a lot of emphasis on game one. If they can steal game one, I think that, possi- that, that, that could make that young team fold. So I'm wow. looking for them. I'm you looking think, you for You think they can steal a game one yes, in the, the win, high like altitude you, of Denver? If you're going to win a game. Those hungry Nuggets fans who yeah, haven't hosted a playoff yeah, yeah, game you know since what? 2013? Yeah. Absolutely. You don't get to the playoffs okay. and then you start worrying about playing on the road, right? This oh, I didn't oh, I didn't, you, I didn't say worrying. I said yeah. are they are they capable of doing it? I think they are. I think DeMar DeRozan is a very capable scorer. I think um, you know, they have a lot of guys who can score Bellinelli and, and LaMarcus Aldridge will get touches and they have guys that are capable. And now it's just a matter of, you know, if they can get game one, that puts a lot of pressure on the D- Denver Nuggets. And they're a very inexperienced sure. group. They're just an inexperienced group. And there's only one way to go through it. Now, do they have the talent? Absolutely. But, you know, when you lose in the regular season, you just move on to the next city. It's a lot different when you lose and then you got to sit here and listen about how you lost and why you lost for like two or three days. And you don't know how players are going to react under that level of duress. You just don't know. You don't know how you're going to react under that type of duress until you go through it. So talent, I see the talent. I see everything that everyone else sees. But again, you know, Coach Popovich is battle-tested. He will have his guys prepared. And if they can get game one, I think that puts a lot of pressure on you to get game two and game, and go back to and win another game in uh, San Antonio. And I'll say this, and I think I've said it before, the only thing that I see missing with Denver when the game gets chaotic, meaning the game breaks down and you can't run your plays because good defensive teams are going to take away all your plays, do they have a player that can play outside of the offense for four or five minutes when the plays don't work. I don't know who that player will be. So I'm looking for a lot of things with them, but I like what they've done. I congratulate them on a great regular season, but this is a new season, and we'll see how it plays itself out. All right, so I'm going to be getting your formal predictions on the side, and we'll figure out how to publish those. So. but I, 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 I think look, I think this will be tough for Denver, but I, I think they I think they get this done in, in five games. The Warriors, of course, starting their quest for their third straight championship, fourth in five years. Um, DeMarcus Cousins will be playing in his first NBA playoff game. And uh, pretty exciting, uh, you know, 
personally and professionally for me, uh, the film project, uh, the resurgence actually debuts at the same exact time, uh, Saturday night on Showtime as tip off for uh, Golden State hosting the Clippers. So the Clippers, um, impressive what they've done this year, clearly overmatched in this series. Uh, how do you think Boogie performs in the postseason and um, how much are you looking forward to seeing this guy finally play a playoff game? Well, I, I've really been looking forward to, for him for quite some years to get to the playoffs and let him get a taste. And I think this will be a great opportunity because he he's not expected to carry the load. So I, th I think the, the big thing for him is to understand the, the, the three variables that you need to win in the playoffs. You have to defend, you have to secure the rebound once you have that great defensive possession, and then you have to pass the ball and share the ball. And at some point here, I think Boogie will settle in into the playoffs because he, you know, he's very capable uh, as an offensive player. He's a very capable rebounder, and he's a terrific passer. And um, you know, he'll get his get his taste. I think you know, I'm gonna I want to give him a game or two to kind of you know feel the pace of it, the, the physicality of the game. I don't think it's gonna bother him because he's such a physical player himself, and they have terrific talent. So um, I think you know, it's just getting Boogie to settle in and understanding what is it going to take to get 16 wins. I mean, this team is built for the long haul, and they're looking to get 16 wins. And I think any, anything short of that uh, would be a disappointment for this group. So, um, you know, let's settle in. And I think the, the, the sooner he can figure out that, you know what, I got to do what I got to do to get through, and you and you take care of your business. Um, I think you know. Obviously, he has the talent. I mean, he's a, he's you know he's a terrific player when he's healthy, and um, I think he's going to make a huge contribution for them somewhere uh, in this playoff run. Yeah, it's been clear the last several weeks that the fit has been really really good, and uh, you know he's had more than I mean he, he's had. Uh, a number of really strong games and you know every time I look you know 19 and 11 21 and 10 he's contributing he's rebounding the ball and obviously uh, you know we knew this before he went to Golden State but I don't think the national audience realized the kind of passer he is and uh, whether he's playing pick and pop on the perimeter or posting up uh, he, he's a real threat for them uh, offensively so the playoffs begin well, I, I, okay, Saturday. I just, can I just say this about Boogie? Can I just say this one thing about Boogie? Absolutely. You know, I would say this. Offensively, he's going to be great. He's going to be terrific. But defensively is, is where I'm really looking for him to make the impact because of the way the game is played. The game is played now through screen roll. And if you're playing a team that can exploit screen roll, most teams now are doing the one thing that they all do, which is to switch to screen roll. If I were an opposing team head coach, that is the one area I would, I would isolate is I would put him in every screen role. Because if the coaches or the team does, if, the, if your coach doesn't have confidence in your ability to defend a certain play, it's going to shorten his rotation because there's no room for error in the playoffs. So I'm so looking for him. So if you're the warri so if you're the Warriors and you're dealing with Lou Williams and screen roll situations I, I, over I, I, and the, over again, what are you, what are you, you doing? The, are you the, hedging? The, are you trapping? What are you doing? Well, the question you want to have is, look, 
Draymond Green at the center position has always been their that's been their bonus, if you will. Yep. Because they would rather have Draymond Green defending the screen roll the screen roll guy than Steph Curry. Now, how many teams can say that other than the Warriors? I would rather have my five man guarding the other team's point guard than the than the point guard. So Draymond Green has been a huge resource because he's such a unique player on the defensive end. If you can take away the other teams, the other teams ability to run screen roll, that's a huge advantage. Now, you that means you have to have a player who can play in isolation. Kyrie Irving is probably one of two players that can actually play just in total isolation, which that's what they do against Steph Curry. They just totally isolated Steph Curry. So these are the things that I will be looking for in the playoffs because Boogie, I don't expect Boogie to get a consistent diet of 19, 20 points. I mean, it's possible, but I don't expect it to. But what I do expect is every team in the league is going to find out if he can defend screen roll and move his feet. That would be the big question for Boogie. For sure. And and part of that is interesting. Obviously, the Clippers are going to go with a number of different lineup combinations as they bring Montrez Harrell in off the bench, and he plays in a lot of that screen and roll action, uh, as does Morsin Gortat. But do the Warriors just automatically put Draymond on the screener and then have Boogie as the next line of help, kind of zoning up back there with one foot in and out of the paint? That That is going to well, be I mean, interesting Doc to Rivers look at. Doc Rivers is clever enough, too. I mean, Doc Rivers oh, is clever sure. enough. Where whoever Boogie's yep. guarding, you put that guy in the screen, in the screen roll. Yep. So it doesn't matter. Yep. You can't that's the one that's the one thing about the players. You can't you can't hide in the playoffs. <laughs> so he will be in uh, he will be in every screen roll. He will be in every screen roll. Now, that is the challenge for him, because if he can control the end on the defensive end, offensively, we know he's gonna be terrific. I don't see anyone on the Clippers being able to guard him. But if you can't stop the other team, then that's going to be a problem as well for you. Can't wait, my friend. The playoffs are here, and uh, it's going to be a lot of of fun action, a a lot of intriguing matchups, and uh, some great NBA basketball. That was dope. Episode 13 in the books. Great job, as always, my partner, BJ Armstrong. Special thanks to Mike Wise joining us to talk Lakers earlier in the show. Bruce Bernstein, Jeff Torini, and the entire Pure Hoops media crew. Thank you, as always. Lots of great stuff happening as we head into the playoffs. We, of course, have the Mike Wise Show on Mondays, hosted by Mike Wise. On Wednesday is Catch and Shoot, hosted by Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko. Monica McNutt and her new show, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, will be released every Thursday. And our NBA playoff quick hitters, which start with our first-round predictions. Those are out there on your podcast platforms. Please subscribe, rate, listen, and share. Help us keep building this very exciting Pure Hoops media. Have a great weekend, everybody. Talk to you soon. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.